0: The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. A few days ago, one of them, the spa in our went away for Shabbos. And he called and he shared with me this nice thing. When he was passing in the airport through TSA, so his carry-on luggage apparently raised a little bit of suspicion. So it went through the machine and then it went through the side where he and the bag were pulled over now we know what it was it was the tefillin and it was the sitter that was in a slipcase. but when they pulled him over they didn't know what it was they thought it was a type of weapon i heard this from the person in our shul he shared it with me right after it happened and they opened it up they went through the children they saw the rectangle box a slipcase of the sitter And afterwards, realizing that it was okay, they apologized to the person, they said to him, pointing to the rectangle case that held the sitter, we're sorry, but we thought it was a weapon. And without missing a beat and tears in his eyes, he turned and said, gentlemen, it is a weapon. It is a spiritual weapon. It is right now one of the most powerful spiritual weapons that my nation has. So you gentlemen were correct. It is a weapon. And he told me they were moved to tears. It is our weapon. We speak about many types of weapons. We are here. We are not there. And so I humbly suggest as that number two, every Word, make it a sayer, make it a gem that shines, and illuminates every tefillah, every tear, every capital to heal him, makim with a lavenish nishbar, with the sincerity, with the purity. Yes, they were quite quite right, pointing to the sinner. It is our weapon. It is one of the most powerful spiritual weapons we currently have. Make sure to utilize it. My father says that when he was a little child, often on Friday nights when he would walk from the shul, my Zaidi was a rub in Pittsburgh, and polytzedek for many decades, so he would share with my father on the way home either a maymechazal or a story, something inspiring, and often he shared with my father the following story meant as a metaphor. I tell you in advance, it's an absolute classic, an absolute classic. There was a father who worked very hard, and when he came home at the end of any given day, he was extremely exhausted because of the long day of work. Very often, when he came home, one of the little children would be waiting there and want to play with him, whether it was a game of catch with a ball, whatever it was. And the father wasn't really up to it. He was exhausted. He wanted a little bit of downtime, and he really felt that maybe a little later would be better. So, how did he tell it to his son? So, what did he do? He found the newspaper that had a large, full-page map of the world. This is from Isaiah of Yasef Shapiro. And he ripped up that page of the newspaper like it would have been a puzzle. He ripped it into maybe 200 pieces, almost like small puzzle pieces. His son never learned geography. His son was a little boy. He wouldn't know how to put a map together. He figures now it's 200 pieces. I bought myself, what, a couple of hours? So he told Oldest son, after you go ahead and put the map together, you know, then come back. I'd be happy to play with you. And you can imagine he goes back to the hammock to uh, relax and enjoy. He just he it's got to be a couple of hours. How's a little boy, going to put a map of the world together. Not but a few minutes later, the little boy returns. The map is perfect. He's astonished. He says to the little boy, "How how how did you you, you don't know geography? You know you, how'd you do that?" He said, you see, Abba, on the other side of the map was the face of a man. I put the man together, and the world came out perfect. And that is what tonight's sheer is about. The little boy understood. I put the man together. That I know how to put together. I know how to put a man together. That I know. But unbeknownst to me, as I put that man together, the effect, the ripple effect was the world came out perfect. My brother, Rabbi, say that is tonight's year. It's a time for people to work on themselves. And when you work on yourself, whether you realize it or not, it brings about a tikkun, a shalemus, a perfection to the world. But the beauty that we're saying tonight on the base, that lady, what's so beautiful is that that's the way I said, it. Hashem said, Borah, I created last night for you to do. I deliberately stopped the world and told the world, die enough. I said that to the world both in quantity and quality. Why would Hashem say it in quality? Why would Hashem bring restraint on the qualitative development? So you and I can perfect it. And we work on ourselves, the world comes out perfect. And right now people are counting on us. I remember and we'll end with this myself. I remember uh, a number of years ago on one of the trips when I was privileged, I went to South Africa, and someone there shared with me such an incredible story. One of the people who shared it with me was a relative with one of these participants. There was a small village, a small derfel. I don't remember where in Russia exactly it was, but it had, to the best of their knowledge, eight Jews. And since it had eight Jews who would come to Shul Rosh Yom Kippur, you want to have a minion for the high holidays, they needed to. So I think it was from Eretz Yisrael, they contacted someone who found two people, two and like two married people, to leave their families, which is extraordinary to do. Rosh Hashanah Kippur, obviously the families agreed, and they completed the quorum dominion, numbers 9 and 10, over there in the small derfel, the small village, and they were able to have Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur davening. That's a beautiful story. When those two were going back to the airport, Mutz Yom Kippur, one of the two realized that he forgot his Mahzar in the shul. So on the way to the airport, he told the taxi, stop. It was dark. He didn't know exactly how to get in, but they saw there was light. The two of them ended up climbing in. They were able to feel around the room where the makhzah was. And as they were about to leave, listen to this Misa. As they were about to leave, they noticed a light coming out from under the door. They opened it up, and there was an elderly man, an Alta Yid, maybe in his 80s, sitting and saying to Hillen. Now they didn't recognize him as one of the eight. So, if he's really a ninth Jew and this city has nine, why did two of us have to leave our families? One would have been enough. <laughs> Where has this guy been? So they interrupted him and they asked him, You're a Yid? He said, Yes. But well, we didn't see Rosh Hashem Kippur at all. And if you're a Yid, what are you doing here now? And listen to what he answered. Maybe you'll tell me in his being naive and his simplicity. Listen to his answer. He introduced himself by the name Yitzchak. He said, in my youth, I was called Itzakal, the nickname for Yitzchak." He says, it's true, I'm not religious. I don't keep Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. That's why you didn't see me at all. And so they indeed needed two of you because there's only eight here. So what am I doing here now? Around my bar mitzvah time, which is about 70 years ago, I remember my Rebbe told me the following, Itzakal, please remember that if there's ever a moment in the world where there isn't a Jew learning or davening or saying to Hillim." At that moment, the world will cease to exist. The world exists because of Kallah. You saw the world exists because of Tehren Tfilah. So if there's a moment that no Jew is learning or davening, the world will cease to exist. He told these two men, I'm not religious. I really don't keep anything. But for the last 70 years, I never forgot that lesson of what my Rebbe told me by my Bar Mitzvah. So even though I'm entirely irreligious and I don't keep anything, but all these years it dawned on me what is primarily the one night that no one everybody is home now breaking their fast and if they're not feeling well they're going to sleep early so they can start building their kylka tomorrow so tonight is the night that in my mind no one is learning no one is davening so I say to Hillem throughout the night again and again until Shachos, because then by Shachos, there will already be Jews davening again. And then he looked at them with tears in his eyes and said, the world continues to exist because of me, Now, I am sure that it was going through their mind to tell him, you never heard of time zones? You never heard of a time zone? The fact that in Russia, it's nine o'clock at night, but elsewhere in the world, it's still day. Elsewhere in the world, it's still tomorrow. And that's why I believe it's of Chaim Allah who says that the world was created with time zones. So that there's always, 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 always tyrantila, tyrantila, tyrantrila because of the time zones. But they didn't tell it to him because that wasn't the point. And of course I'm not speaking about the mistakes that the person made and might have made. I'm focusing on that belief he felt. The world is continuing to exist tonight because I say Tehillim throughout the night and when no one else is able to learn or daven, the world continues to exist because of me, My writer, Rabbi, say we should be Zeichah. We should merit as we continue to beseech the Rebbeinah Shalaylam to please bring about the Gula Shalema. Let all of the hostages come home safely. Let all those wounded have Refus and Yeshua's. Let us be able to dance completely. Let us do our share to work on ourselves so that the world will come out perfect. Let us do our part. Let us believe, yes, the world will continue to exist because of me and what I do makes a difference to be able to bring about a perfection in a qualitative sense. We make a tremendous difference. Let us bring shleimus and perfection to ourselves, thereby bringing shleimus and perfection to the world. And let us merit now the Geula Shleima, the and the Amenu. Amen. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to Inspire. org.